Hi, and welcome to New Thoughts, where we speak with the game changers in the music business and talk about the future. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me today, we have two-time Billboard 40 Under 40 power player and founder of Culture Collective, Jonathan Azu. He's driving change within the industry while also representing creatives who are redefining their culture. Prior to founding Culture Collective, Azu was GM of Red Light Management, EVP of Operations at Superfly Presents, and was Vice President of Music Partnerships for CBS Radio. He's a graduate of Duke University and currently serves as a board trustee. Azu, that is a mouthful. Welcome. It's great to see you. Good to see you. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. What's going on out in LA? What's the talk about opening back up? And more importantly, how are you doing through all this? Uh, we're, we're doing great. We, we've been hunkered in here like everybody else for the last, uh, I don't even know, I think 60 days or something like that. But, um, it seems like but it's months. good. I mean, <laughs> it seems like months. I will yeah. tell you that. They, they, all, they all blend together. Um, but it's, we've been good. You know, I, 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 we're blessed to, to, to be healthy. Um, you know, I, I spent many years in New York. And, and I actually am more I'm bi-coastal, but I, my family's here in Los Angeles. I spent most of my time in LA. It's actually the longest I've, I've not traveled since since I can remember. Mm. And uh, definitely the longest I've ever been away from New York. I'm usually in New York every couple of weeks. So uh, I, I'm like, I'm getting the itch. <laughs> you know, I'm getting the itch to, to make a move, but but we're good and we're healthy. That's fantastic. And that's that's the most important thing. I mean, my parents, uh, they go, they're from, they're on Long Island most of the year and they fly south for the winter for, into Florida. And they've been spending that extra time down there. My father's my father's not a fan of the humidity, so they usually come back around mid March, mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Well, we're stuck down here." So yeah. <laughs> so um, let's let's go back in time. Let's let's hop in the wayback machine and go back pretty much one year ago. It was only during this month one year ago, you founded Culture Collective. Uh, you know, tell us the story about your decision to launch Culture Collective. Uh, was there a defining moment or had it been in a plan, a plan in the works for some time? I mean, it had been in my head for a while of, of, of start, one, starting my own business and two, you know, doing something that really um, would impact the next generation. And even if it was from the optics of seeing somebody that looks like you doing it, um, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted to do it. And, and I, I finally... With my career, I have a pretty diverse background. So I spent time in radio. Mm. I spent some time in live events. And then I spent time operating, you know, a management company and then became a manager. So there's a very diverse background. And I, and I always thought that being an entrepreneur and starting my own business would be landing me right in the middle of the intersection where I've got all these different streets of my career coming in at once. And I could lean on those to help to help really grow a company that, um, that I have the authority uh, the accountability and, and the responsibility over. Um, so there wasn't, you know, there wasn't one thing. There was definitely some, some things that I look back now and I think about how I kind of said to myself, I need to do something. And I think one of the moments was, was I was, I was at a, at a, at a fundraiser with a bunch of other C-level executives, um, in the business. Uh, and, um, you know, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a, actually it was a fundraiser kickoff. So it was like a, it was a breakfast to kick off a fundraiser. Uh, and it was the who's who of the music business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was like every major music business executive was in this room. And um, I looked around the room and, and I was interested. I said, like, it's just myself and two other people that are of color in this room. And then as it relates to, to, to females, women that were in the room, there weren't that many either. Mm-hmm. And I just said, it's, it's really interesting that, what I once thought was 
just this is the way that it is. Now that I've gotten to a level to where I, I know all, all these other individuals and I'm, I'm, I'm the quote unquote accepted into these rooms began to turn into, I know why that is. And now that I know why that is, what do I want to do to make an impact to help, to help impact change? Um, or do I want to kind of lean back and passively support or just say, you know, it is what it is. So that was one of the moments in my head that I look back to that I think, wow, that was, that was kind of a defining moment for me of like, I really do need to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's such, you know, and the mission that you have there. And, and, and that's something is like, to think about doing something like that, it's like, let's take charge of this. And to be able to put so much effort into it, it's not an easy task when you're taking on this challenge. And, you know, the, the premise is like, you know, to exemplify and promote diverse and inclusive leadership. And like, let's, you know, I, I, I do want to just talk one thing. I mean, it's so important. There's so much there. Um, you know, what do you like just, but I do want to talk about the current time just for one second, because what is going on right now uh, that you find is the biggest challenge in this current state that is for your artist and as a business? For our artist, I would say, you know, li- listen, when this was all coming down, I, I, you know, like many other executives, not just myself, had the had the foresight to understand that this was going to be a big impact and it was going to really disrupt the year. And I had been monitoring this situation for a while because I had artists that were touring in Asia and I had artists that were going to be touring in Asia actually this month, um, the month of May. And so we had been monitoring it for a while. Um, and I, I, and it, it began to get worse and worse. And then I, I had, <laughs> I jokingly call call myself the, um, the white sheep in my family because everybody else in my family is in medicine, right? And then I'm, I'm in entertainment. So I happen to have some, some ears around me that can help kind of like educate me on what's real, what's not as really so what's in the media. And I, and, and I was just kind of told by some sources that, again, my family is like, this thing, this thing does get into the U.S. It's just going to, it's just going to bust out, yeah. right? I'd never thought it would be at this level, right? Uh, but here we are. So for artists, you know, it's really about how do they continue the conversation with their, with their, with their fans, right? In a digital way, it makes them still feel connected. Um, and we're using that as a bridge to when things do get turned back on, it's a very warm to hot transfer from a digital relationship back into an experiential for them, right? Mm-hmm. Go, going to see shows. If you completely go dark on your fans between now and when things go back on, they will go, they will, they will migrate to other places. So for, for the musicians, it's really about that. And then for the business owners, it's really, you know, it actually, when I say business owners, I, I put the artist in that bucket as well because they are small business owners is how do you really look at your financials on how you can stretch your runway out, keep your own personal lights on um, between now and probably what everyone's saying is earliest, you know, December, late November, December, depending on venue size, uh, to April, March, April next year for some of the larger venues is what we're seeing. So you really have to think real hard about that. I spent a lot of time very early on calling business managers up and artists saying, hey, you know, if, 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 you, if you don't know about the Paycheck Protection Program or the Economic Injury Disaster Loan or the uh, micro loan grant that, that uh, Gavin, uh, Gavin Newsom is doing in the state of California, you know, get in there. Let's get, let's get our artists applied for these programs. And some of the, some of the attitudes during that, those first couple of weeks were, well, I think my artist is good. We'll be fine. You know, um, 
but my whole thing was you just, you know, hope's never a strategy. And to hope this figures itself out over the next, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, um, you could get hurt. So my whole thing was just get in there, apply for those programs because we don't know how long this was going to go for. Right. So that includes my own business as well. Mm -hmm. okay, how many employees do you have? We're four employees. Mm -hmm. So it's a very streamlined and everybody's, you know, wearing multiple hats and, you know, taking care of the artists that you're, you have. So there's a lot to Correct. consider. Yeah. Uh, one of the, what I saw earlier, and there was a, a slight discussion, it was talking about uh, looking at live and is slowly rolling that back in. And you were talking about like smaller venues or larger venues and like, you know, say like these venues that maybe were a cap, uh, you know, 150s or 300s or up to 500. And maybe they would say, okay, we will allow 20% attendance rate in these venues. And if then you look at that, like ticket sales, well, that's not going to be, if you could only put in 20%, then the ticket sales aren't even going to be valued enough to make this happen. So that's another challenge of like, what, you know, what are you willing to take as your, as your cut to even operate? And that's from the artist yeah. side and from the venue side. Correct. Yeah. I think, I think what we're going to see here, crystal ball a little bit, a couple things. Um, one is I don't know how things are going to play out as it relates to OSHA, right? The, the Occupational Safety and Hazard Authority, right, for the, for the government, who basically it, it institutes safe work environments for employees. So that's everyone from the rigger, the ticket taker, mm -hmm. to the box office person, you know, everybody, right? So there may be some requirements that these venues have, um, and they will need to figure out how to adopt those habits and then actually put them into place, right? And I don't know if that's temperature checking or what it will be. There's that, right? And then for these these tours, one of the things we're, we're I'm, I'm monitoring is how do, how you tour if every state has a different policy of 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 who mm -hmm. who can who can one do a show in the state, who can um, enter the state, how long do you need to be in the state for before you do a public performance? There may be a situation where they say, hey, we want you to sit for seven days, 14 days. And those that also extends into international tours when you're touring around the world. Mm -hmm. So how do you route a tour efficiently knowing that every state may be different? And then to your point of every other seat or 50% capacity, how do you do that? Because the costs are the same, whether there's one person in the venue or it's sold out. Um, which is a very real thing. And so we've started to think about, are we doing multiple shows, at, uh, multiple shows a night? Mm -hmm. Are we doing a six o'clock and a nine o'clock show? Yeah. Almost like that, kind of like that Vegas circuit in a sense of maybe finding a residency yeah. or something. And, and you know, once the gates open, it's going to be, you know, the, the booking agents, you know, it's going to be rabid dogs trying to get into those limited slots. And again, like, Oh, if only 20 States are allowing, you know, maybe the Eastern Seaboard, let's say, is are allowing to yeah. have venues at 500 or or 1500 cap open. It's like there's going to be much more limited. There, there's no dry powder. It's much more limited space. So it's going to be that fight to get into those spaces out there. Yeah, correct. And then the one umbrella that caps all this is consumer sentiment, mm -hmm. right? Do I feel safe going to a show? Um, and t only time will tell on on that, right? Uh, on everything from shows to uh, the holiday season at the end of the year right do people go to retail yeah it's it's a it's a completely different time there is no there's no rule playbook on this there's no uh, precedent there's no pandemic for dummies that we can go by so 
It's going to be in no. the other. But we can't. But we can't. Sorry to cut you off. But one thing we can do, and, and and we and we need to do as a country, you can look to Italy. You can look to China. You can look to Singapore. You can look to Korea. They they, they were in this before us. So we can look mm-hmm. to these countries to see not only how our therapeutics, you know, uh, you know, how are therapeutics impacting the patients that are over there, onto how are they going about opening their venues. So we can look to these other countries to help as a, a barometer of how we should. Mm-hmm. Um, do things here. Yeah. So it's good, like, you know, to see, you know, what, what's working, what's not, and like build from there and, mm-hmm. and mitigating your risk. So it's risk management at this point. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, let's go back to the culture collective. And I, you know, cause this is such an important topic and, you know, we go back to, you know, we talk about terms and we hear diversity and inclusion thrown around a lot. First and foremost, like, what do these words mean to you? And how do you incorporate this into your mission? Wow, that's a good question. I mean, what these words mean, I mean, you know, I'm somebody that um, has a pretty diverse family background. My father, my father's from Nigeria. My mother's from New Orleans. Was raised in St. Louis um, because my, my father went to school there, um, and so I was kind of very much raised around a, a more of a multicultural mindset in general, right? Um, you know, a global mindset. And for me, um, going to going to schools, right? That were that was always a minority in life, right? There wasn't ever a time in life where I wasn't I was the majority for the most part, right? In my everyday walk. So for me, diversity has always been a part of the fabric of what I've recognized and noticed growing up. Whether it was being on the football team, being in the classroom, being on student council. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And again, like I mentioned before, as you, as you navigate and elevate through those systems, there's a lot of people that saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of those people, majority of those people didn't, didn't look like me. Right. And didn't have the same background as me, but they saw something in me and they allowed, they extended me a shoulder to, 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 uh, to lean on and to, and to, to get to the next level. And I appreciate that. Um, but as I was mentioning before, you begin to say, well, why is it, why am I the chosen one? Why am I the one that's, you know, elevating through these circles? Why am I the one that's sitting at an executive table and I'm the only person of color? Is it just because I'm lucky or is there something bigger than this? Cause when you're in it, you're just, you're floating around, you're navigating, you're trying to be savvy. You're not doing too much thinking about why, why is this the case? And maybe part of that is because you don't have the relationships um, or sometimes the, um, the wherewithal to, 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 to notice it, and make the impact. So as when I became a C-level executive, again, I started to say, you know what, diversity is something that's very important to me. And I, I, I now have a keen look as to why that, that is, why, why you don't see a lot of minorities running their own businesses and entertainment and why you don't see a lot of minorities working in C-level executive positions uh, within a lot of entertainment companies. Well, well, then there's the importance of why companies should, you know, create and promote diversity and inclusiveness so, you know, what would like your suggestions be to companies and how to incorporate this? And I, I know we, when we were talking earlier, you were talking about walking with intention. And mm-hmm. like that is such a powerful statement right there. So you can elaborate on that. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll find a lot of companies, you know, you, you find a lot of academic institutions. I find a lot of businesses that will say, you know, we, we, we diversity is a part of what we do. And when you really break it down, they're more checking boxes. 
Um, you know, there's like the equal opportunity employment employer uh, um, laws, and you say to yourself, all right, well, let's just make sure we get a, a diverse applicant pool in here. Um, you know, uh, and just 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 as a process, not as a what can we really do to make sure we are diversifying our work environment? And more importantly, what are we doing within the work environment to embrace diversity, right? When I was growing up, I went to a high school that um, was a part of the desegregation program. So it was a predominantly, predominantly uh, 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 white neighborhood. Mm -hmm. The high school was predominantly white and they would bus minority students from the inner city into the suburbs to go to, to, go to school. And, you know, to them, that was fixing the, the, the diversity problem. But when you broke it down and you looked in the lunchroom, it would be a table of kids that were bust in. And then there'd be the tables of the kids that weren't bust in because mm -hmm. within the, within the school, there weren't systems set up to, to really talk about diversity, talk about inclusion. Um, people share their experiences. So it's sometimes not just enough to say that we just hired somebody and we solved the problem. It's how do you embrace it within? And it's to me, about, that's, that's walking intention. Yeah. It's not about fulfilling a quota and, and what then, you know, you look at it, it's like, okay, so you're, you're hiring a diverse staff. Well, where's the track? That's the second mm -hmm. part of it is now let's, where's the track to upper management? Where's the track to executive to C-level? You know, it's like, how do you support them? Correct. And, and, and mentor, right? Mm -hmm. and, and mentorship can happen within, within companies and also outside of companies. Um, and one thing that we talked about a little bit earlier was, you know, this is something that I, I really, it really dawned on me um, in the last handful of years running some companies was that internships often aren't paid. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's been a big topic as of late, but more from a state it state issue. Right. Because, you know, states are saying, Hey, you can't have people work for free. Um, but when you really distill it down, that's a major barrier to entry for someone that has economic challenges. And often people, if you look at just statistically, those that grow up in environments that are economically challenged often tend to be minorities. Mm -hmm. So now a minority that wants to work at an entertainment company that doesn't pay their interns, right? Anything says, well, I probably just can't do it because I can't financially afford to do it. So now it's not even a conversation. I don't even go into entertainment because there's a barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. And I think you see that a lot. You see that and, a lot. And that's unfortunate. So, so then you're, you, what about, you know, because you're a board of trustee over at uh, Duke University, I'm sorry, Drake University. Drake University. Yeah, Drake University. Yeah. <laughs> the other D. <laughs> the other, the other D. Uh, the, the better D. It had, had a K in it too. So I was like, <laughs> well, you know, so I had the D part in it. So, you know, what is it that maybe like university, you know, career services, you know, how is there, is there something that they can do to, you know, exemplify and like help that process? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, universities, there, you know, there's obviously there are career centers and university campuses and there's inter internships are, I, I would, I think they were a big deal when I was in college, but I would even say even more now, they're important. Um, I always tell, you know, young people, you should be busy every single summer. And these universities do a lot of outreach programs to, to, to people like me. I mean, you know, I'm an alumni, you know, so there's that, but I've spent a lot of time mentoring, talking to speaking on campus to young people about the workforce, right? In my experience and that alone, right? Being able to, 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 to see somebody standing in front of a lecture hall, giving their experience where somebody, especially those that are minorities can look there and say, 
they can see themselves in that mm-hmm. is a step in the, in the right direction. Um, you know, in addition to that, you know, also making sure that we're, uh, that we're, that we're offering programs that can work not only, you know, over the summers, but semester all, all year long. Right. And, and it, it'll be interesting now that the, the, the work at home in, uh, environment's going to, going to grow, you know, are we bringing interns on to work for the company, um, that are working remotely that don't have to be actually in Los Angeles or New York. Right. And, and just, I, we, we had a conversation uh, last week and we were talking about with students and I had um, Frank Sico, who's heads up the uh, Universal Music Group uh, internship program. We also had Brian Wilkins, who's a professor at University of Miami in the Frost School of Music. And one of the things that we were talking about, especially in this day and age, is the fact that this it's going to be more of this hybrid when we come out of it, that there's a lot of organizations that are realizing they can operate in a company. I, I uh, had Linda Blossbaum uh, on the other day from Sound Exchange, 160 employees overnight. They had everybody working remote. So you take that into your look at yourself and say, well, what additional skill sets do I have that I can do from home? Can I do some graphic design? Can I do social media from home? Can I offer these services to a, a company that maybe if I studied music business or something, what are my additional skills or maybe hobbies that I had that I could delve in right now at this time and learn a little bit more like a UDMY or Coursera has a lot of free courses to brush up on a few different skills that potential employees would be looking at. So when we come out of this that, hey, you helped out remotely, let's make this happen. Yeah, you know, it, it, you're absolutely right. And the online, the online education um, ecosystem is going to only get bigger. And um, I, I can't stress enough, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Some, it's something of growing up around parents that were in medicine that I noticed they used to always use this word CME, which is basically continuing medical education. Mm-hmm. So if you if you work in medicine, you have to literally every X number of years, you know, study and take tests. So I always remember my parents taking tests, like. My mother still keeps her CME up, you know, and, and she's retired. And so it's 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 one of those things as an executive that you should do as well. You should always be brushing up your skills. You know, I, I didn't, I did, uh, I did not get a master's, uh, uh, but I took, I've taken a bunch of courses at, at NYU over the years, mm-hmm. right? Um, and will continue to, and I still may go get a master's degree. So you, you should always be challenging yourself. Always look at. Use a lot of analogies, but when I'm talking to students, I said, "Think of yourself as a as a as a as a cereal box, right? Consumer packaged goods, and you're completely blank. There's no color. There's no writing, right? And when you look at your career and those that you've that you've that you've either either admire or those that mentor you or those that are your are your counterparts, what are the elements of them that you want to be a part of you and and really develop what that what that package is going to look like so it's attractive to an employer." Right. And education is one big part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and continuing education or just even the willingness to learn more. So like, you know, you're, you're, you're potentially hiring somebody. Like what is that extra trait there that you're looking mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The little extra thing, right? Mm-hmm. The X so, factor. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that could be, it's, and it's not just that passion. We're, we're passionate about music. That's why we're in this business, mm-hmm. but it's also about that business 
acumen where it's like, okay, I have passion and how do I put this into the business aspect? What can I bring to the company of value? What can I add value to myself? So it's that two-way street. It's like, is this company going to bring value to me? Because you want that employee that is going to be working for you that is like, I'm in this, let's, let's do something great. So if they get and you can mentor them and help them internally grow within your company, that's another way that, you know, they're going to stick around and you just, you groomed and you, you helped somebody blossom to be a great business person, a great artist and help with their career. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, you, you bring people into your work environment, knowing that if you do your job really well and you mentor them and grow them, that they won't stay forever. Right. Um, they won't either stay in that position forever or they won't stay in my head. Think about those that have worked on my teams in the past mm-hmm. uh, as alum as, as alumni. So, fantastic. So, so like starting to wrap up, like, you know, we, there was so much there covered, but if you were to give one piece of advice that you've learned throughout your career to share with anybody in the music business or is thinking about starting their own company, what would that be? Um, curiosity, right? To, to, to me, being curious, that's an important trait. And it, it's, it's, it's not easily defined other than wanting to know how things work, right? And the best entrepreneurs that I've ever met, the best executives that I've ever met, they, they, they know a lot about other little things and sometimes they know a lot about certain things and they may find other people that are smarter, but, but they're curious about everything. And if you can be curious about all aspects of your business, not only curious about like I was at because he's having some issues with this, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a musician, but he's having issues connecting his instrument in for Instagram lives. And I was like, can you just explain it to me a little bit more so I can understand it? I'm not going to solve the problem for him, mm-hmm. but I was just curious. Yeah. This <laughs> is very curious. And I said, if I know more, I may be able to help you figure it out. Right. You know, and that it's everything from that. To honestly, when when the government rolled out all these 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 uh, programs, I like I read up on all of them, mm-hmm. right? And and most of which I wasn't even applicable for, but I wanted to understand it, you know. Yeah. So I, if somebody else was wondering how it worked, I could educate them on it. I, I love that. I I'm I'm very similar. It's like when there's something that's a challenge, and I I always like to say nothing gets the synapses fired as much as a good challenge. And I think that's what we're going through right now. There's so many times that like, you might look at a challenge and it's like, that is a giant mountain to climb. And if you just go and do it ahead of time, like before you need that to actually do it, to learn about it and put it in practice, it becomes second nature and becomes easier over time. Does. Yeah, it does. Intuitive. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so finally, like, you know, besides with this being over, what are you especially looking forward to or, you know, with any of your artists, like, you know, what, what are you looking forward to most? Well, um, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm excited for Grammy season, right? I've got, I've got, you know, we, we put out a Luke James project. Who's a client. He feels the same way about that album that we do. And it took a, a bunch of years of putting it together. I'm excited for that. Um, Emily King, who is a, a, a longtime client friend was nominated for two Grammys this past year. And, um, you know, was supposed to be on tour 
this week, actually. Um, that obviously changed. So like a lot of artists, she, uh, she's starting to create her next album. So that I'm so excited for that because I, I really do think that what, one of the things that's going to happen during this time is going to be a lot of co- great content created. Um, and I'm excited for all these artists out there to write the, the next generation of songs and, and put them out. Artists, musicians, we're used to working from home, like being in the basement locked away. So this is this is like their their normal territory, what we're in. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Azu. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we're going to wrap up, but you know, thank you, Azu. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, and hopefully soon enough, uh, we'll be able to get to see each other in person once we're traveling again. So, you know, have a wonderful day. Stay healthy, please. <laughs> Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Bye bye. That's. That's it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. If you want to join the conversation, leave your comments down below. And make sure to sign up at musicindustrycity.com to stay updated on what's going on in the music business. See you next time.